I'm John. And I'm David. And you're listening to the Autocorrect Podcast. So this is our first episode in our space series. Yeah, so this is going to be published the first Wednesday of July. And we are going to have an episode every Wednesday in July um, up until the end of the month, really. Yeah. And the reason we chose July is because that is the month that the moon landing occurred on. Yeah, so this episode is going to be about compliant mechanisms, which we'll, you know, we'll fully explain in a minute, and also the ISS. Which is the International Space Station, for anybody who doesn't know that. Yep. So let's get into compliant mechanisms. It's actually really cool. So normal mechanisms are mechanical devices that are used to transfer motion. So you think of things like pliers, uh, even a screwdriver, anything that, that transfers a motion force or energy. Um you know, people, vice grips, anything like that, any kind of plier. Now, if you think about any of those, anything like a plier or a vice or any kind of screwdriver or anything, you know, these all have moving parts and multiple parts. But there has been, this isn't a new development, but there's been, you know, a change and compliant mechanisms have you know brought a huge change to how we look at you know a mechanism and and transferring mechanical uh, mechanical force mechanical energy and so a compliant mechanism is a mechanism that gains its motion its mobility from deflection of a a flexible material rather than having something like a pin as a joint rather than like a mechanical connection it's right it it is as you said flexible yeah so we will post a picture of one a common one that is you know a pair of pliers that is like almost the post the poster child for compliant mechanisms um it's it's actually kind of cool and it's plastic yeah but it is able to exert an extreme amount of force and it is uh, it's it's wild so f- for anybody listening along thinking why is this so important it is huge especially when you start thinking about manufacturing processes and especially when you think about manufacturing processes in areas that have um, limited capabilities, limited resources, like take, for example, the International Space Station. The, you can't go out to a hardware store on the International Space Station. Everything that's there is there. So what I'm getting at with this is a lot of things can be single pieces and can be made using a 3D printer. And on top of that, a lot of things that are a single piece are more reliable because they don't have as many 
moving parts where you know you have a hinge on something you have a, pl- a point of failure a, a you know a point of easier uh, failure but you know a point of heightened stress and so the less parts you have the more reliable that piece is so things specifically aerospace have actually utilized this for a while and it's you know there are limitations to what you can use compliant mechanisms for there are also limitations in the materials you can use for a compliant mechanism which can also be detrimental at some in some instances right so the Next big benefit is you can actually be incredibly precise with compliant mechanisms. And that's due to the fact that when you have a traditional mechanism that is like a hinged, any any kind of mo- two moving parts that are attached, over time, the use of that leads to wear and then increased backlash. So a slop in the action of whatever the hinge or what have you, whatever that piece is and so when you have something like a compliant mechanism it's either working or it's broken yeah (laughs) either it you know through its life it doesn't lose any precision because it's it's a hard connection it's one piece there's no it's not multiple pieces connected together it's one piece that has a point that is designed to be stressed in multiple or more you know is designed to be stressed in one or more axes and with that, that joint also has zero maintenance at that time, whereas a traditional mechanical connection may have something like a grease fitting on it that needs to be greased periodically or may have uh, uh, a place for an oiler or may have disposable bearings in it. This is just all one piece. It's either, like you said, working or broken. Right. And so, you know, that leads us into the performance of a compliant mechanism and you know what they apply to so a compliant mechanism you know it can be as simple as a a little you know pair of plies or something you can 3d print or the thrust vectoring system on a rocket and so what's really interesting is that the one of the things that compliant mechanisms have been used for is thrust vectoring on spacecraft because what you can do instead of having so many moving parts and so many joints and as like a pin or a sliding joint you can have a frame that is manufactured out of a certain material and then have two points on it and depending on how in a combination how you move those two points with motors you can manipulate the center axes, you know, the mounting plate of this structure in any direction, depending on how it's stressed from these two these two axi, axial inputs. And so that's why something like, you know, things like this have been used for spacecraft because it simplifies it and it also keeps the moving parts further away from things like extreme temperature changes which can be incredibly detrimental to mechanisms and make them unreliable or fail entirely so this kind of brings us you know 
to this International Space Station. And, you know, many people know of it, and but don't know very much about it. And it's actually very interesting because the International Space Station was launched 23 years ago. It's older than, it's, you know, a year older than me. <laughs> so the interesting thing on NASA's website is they actually have a... Uh a timer that's the time that the space station has been in orbit. And at the time of recording, it has been in orbit for 8,626 days, 11 hours, 17 minutes, and one second. Very helpful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So So if you want to work backwards and figure out exactly when we recorded this, you can now. (laughs) Yeah. So it was launched on November 20th, 1998. That was 23 years ago. And this is, you know, I believe it was launched in multiple parts, uh, if I remember correctly. And it's big. It's massive. And it's very modular, too. How heavy do you think it is? What do you think the mass of the International Space Station is? I know it is absurd. It is absurd. I remember that. I don't remember if it was absurdly light or absurdly heavy. I think it was absurdly heavy. Yes. Give me a number. 23,000 tons. It is 444,615 kilograms, which is 980,208 pounds. It's almost a million pounds. Holy cow. It is. I knew it was absurd, but I did not know it was that absurd. It is 73 meters long, which is 239.4 feet, which is, you know, for those of you that measure in freedom units, and 109 meters wide, which is 357 feet, and it is just a colossal (laughs) piece of engineering. That's orbiting in the upper atmosphere <laughs> yeah it is just i think it orders about 200 i think it's like 250 to 260 yeah it's it's around 250 to 260 miles above the earth's surface i believe it's cool that um you can actually go online and track the location of it in real time and if you play your cards right you can set up a camera and actually get very clear photos of it because of how close it is to earth and one of the interesting things is you know the orbital speed is seventeen thousand one hundred miles per hour which i think is a period of about 16 minutes if i remember correctly the uh orbital period is 92 minutes it's 15.49 orbits per day oh so, so was, a, a, almost it's fifteen and a half, almost you know, sixteen. I don't know, I don't know why day. I thought the period was sixteen minutes. I'm I don't have the number pulled up. So it's actually you know it's a huge feat of engineering. It's crewed by seven, and there are currently seven aboard as of right now, and so it's it's really interesting. It's got a lot of sections. You know, it was brought up in sections and assembled there are as of november 2021 there are numerous sections from many countries uh you know there are you know just trusses there are solar panels there are there are like camera modules there are lab modules there are 
there's different, you know, transponder, you know, you know, communication systems. There are, there's a service module. There's, there's so many different pieces and, you know, there's multi-purpose modules that can be, you know, changed depending on what they need to do. European, there's Canadian, there's U.S., there's uh, Russian. I, oh, I don't know if Russian is still... I think that they still have to be somewhat involved because, at least for a while, they've been shuttling the people back and forth on the Soyuz capsules. Right. So uh, I, don't I don't know if the Russian... The, the, we're, we're not sure about any what the Russian involvement still is, but... I think there is some involvement still with at least this current mission. I don't know if they're going to get kicked out or step back after this current mission. But I think there is there is some involvement at this time. But back to what I was saying earlier about the, the whole space station being modular. It will. Russia has confirmed it will pull out of the International Space Station as soon as two years from now. Okay. So I guess that's like three or four more missions. The missions are every six months, I think, right? Uh, I'm not positive. In any case, um, with it being so modular, it's theoretically infinitely expandable. Not that you would want it to be because it no. still has to be maneuverable. Yeah, you to still have extent. to. Yeah. But you can constantly, you know, add modules to it renovate modules remove modules that type of thing yeah and there are you know there's pressurized modules there's unpressurized modules there's modules that have been repurposed or you know replaced there's you know you have all the life supports and the power and communications all of the labs and just you know crew support like housing and and, you know essentially there's so many different parts to this and it can theoretically be expanded but you there's a limit to what you would want in terms of our utility of it and you know as many people know its primary purpose is scientific research that's that's why it's filled with labs and there's a lot of well, that, that's why it's in space to begin with right there's the low you know, it's in low Earth orbit, but it's it's zero G for a reason. There there are some things that you know require the not being on Earth <laughs> to be done. But it's it's pretty interesting. Um so one of the interesting things to note is that gravity at the altitude of the ISS is approximately ninety percent as strong as at Earth's surface. But objects in orbit are in a continuous state of free fall, resulting in an apparent state of weightlessness. This perceived weightlessness is uh, disturbed by drag from the residual atmosphere, vibration from the movements of mechanical systems in the crew, actuation on the onboard control moment, gyroscopes, thruster firing for uh, attitude or orbital changes, and then gravity gradient effects tidal effects so what i'm hearing is it's not zero g no but g is approximately equal to nine meters per second squared kind of you've heard of yeah. estimating we, g we no, to no, be no, 10. no 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 we're not going <laughs> to talk about the estimating gravity as 10 that's foul now we can estimate gravity as nine. Oh my god 
<laughs> Jason has 15 watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's really cool. And there is a lot of, we're not even going to begin to go into all of the different, you know, of what we can find of the research that has been, you know, the research and, you know, the educational value of it is incredible. And so, you know, to be fair, the manufacturing of it is just as big of a feat as the operation of it. Oh, absolutely. Not only the manufacturing and the operation, but the logistics involved in it, too. And we've talked about the incredible amount of logistics required to pull something off because, you know... It's the same thing that applied with the James Webb Space Telescope, which we've talked about numerous times and we'll continue to cover. Let's forget about trying to get a hunk of science, for lack of a better term, into space. Let's, for a second, just appreciate all of the government agencies that had to work together to get it to work. Yeah. I mean, that's a logistical nightmare in itself. Yeah, and, you know, it was... I don't remember how many government agencies were involved, but... Five. Uh, f- five? Yep. I'm shocked it ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> I said what I said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a really cool... Uh, there's a really cool diagram here of what the layout of it is. We, you know, we'll, we'll share this probably... And it goes through as the Russian docking port, you know, the solar arrays, airlocks, uh, different labs, European robotic arm, portable work posts, docking ports, docking ports, solar array, first module, partially retracted solar array, cargo bays, birthing, birthing port. I just found a really cool animation of how the space station has changed over the years. You can see what was originally launched and how different modules were added to it. Some modules were removed. Some some modules looks like were removed entirely. It's just very cool to see how it actually all works. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can save this animation and post it on Instagram. Yeah, it's really... This is incredible. There's a lot of different modules here that have been that are either there or have been there that were used for many things. There's a, you know, it's mainly labs. Yeah. Mainly it's mainly labs that have been, you know, it's mainly labs that have gone through rotation, but yeah, we'll post some of these pictures and, you know, see if we can get some of these diagrams up on the, uh, the website and our Instagram. If you don't know, our Instagram is the autocorrect podcast and the website is studio one K dot com and we are working on getting some more posts up there and if you are interested we are getting the newsletter started soon i have not fully figured it out yet but as soon as i do we will put out a post letting everybody know if they want to sign up for that and that will be probably just a once a week thing that will just say what's coming up so i think that's going to wrap up this episode uh, we might revisit this. Yeah, um, we're going to try and keep things a little bit concise um, to get through the month of July. 
And if there are any topics that you guys are really interested in or want us to talk more about, feel free to leave us a comment, write us an email, and we'd be more than happy to circle back to them at some point in the future. Yeah. And uh, we've got some 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 really interesting plans for the rest of this year. We're, we're excited to, you know, once we finalize things, to tell everybody about it and share what we've been working on. But uh, that's going to be it for this episode, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening.